We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama, what a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into our Thursday Sooner Sports Podcast, The Huddle with Toby and Ted to recap Missouri State. Look ahead to the bye week coming up here in moments. And then later, we'll hear from DeLaren Turner-Yell, Brian Asamoah, and Trey Norwood, who just wrapped up their sessions with the media. A reminder, this Saturday on the podcast, the full radio broadcast from the OU Missouri State Showdown with some perspective from Toby and Ted and Gabe, as well as yours truly on how we perceive the way things played out, kind of maybe our feelings after the first quarter. So that's coming up on Saturday's podcast, and then on Friday tomorrow, Jessica Cootie with a really good one-on-one with Alex Grinch that I think everyone will enjoy. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Let's go. Kick it off with a huddle reloaded from Tuesday with Toby and Ted. And hi, everybody, and welcome to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue here on Highway 9 in Norman. It is time for the huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. For the next 60 minutes, we're talking Sooner football. We'll look back at the win over Missouri State, maybe look ahead a little bit, at the showdown with Kansas State coming up in about a week and a half. It was an interesting week in the Big 12, to say the least. We'll pick some games coming up this weekend. Hopefully we do better than we did last week. And then coming up in an hour, the Lincoln Riley Show. Without Lincoln Riley tonight, it's a bye week, so he's got some other things to do. We're going to be joined by our radio buddies, Gabe Eichert and Chris Plank, a radio roundtable hour coming your way tonight. So settle in. you got two straight hours of Sooner football. Please help me welcome right now my radio partner and the Butkus and Bednarik award winner and the most handsome man on this ha. set, Teddy Lehman, everybody. t how we doing? Great. We're 1-0. We're 1-0. 
it's great to win a game that you weren't even sure you were going to play, isn't it? I mean, right <laughs> up until the the end, it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, are we going to play this thing? And then we play it. We look good. We have fun doing it. That was nice. There have been some strange weeks over the last decade or so since we've been uh, doing this. That might take the cake last week. I mean, literally, it was Friday afternoon, and there was some question as to whether there'd be a football game or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm just preparing myself for the weekly, um, you know, inundation of text messages and phone calls about conspiracy theories (laughs) as to who is and who's not going to be playing this week. It's going to happen. Just wait till OU Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen for sure. Well, the Sooners did play and did win a shutout. Their first since 2015 on Saturday night. 48 nothing. they handled Bobby Petrino's Bears of Missouri State. Let's take a look at the highlights. It was a beautiful day in Norman. 25% of the crowd, the best flyover, Teddy, we've had in a long time. They nailed it. Timing right is difficult. Timing is difficult, but they hit that one out of the park. New look Sooner Schooner on display on Saturday night, and the defense got it started in style with a series of three and outs. And And this kid looked like he knew what he was doing. Spencer Rattler. Yeah, one of the best throws is right here in the the first series to your fullback running a comeback route in the end zone on the pylon. What's going on here? Seth McGowan, his first career carry, the freshman, a one-yard touchdown run puts the Sooners ahead. Yep, he's he's physical. He's not a huge player, but, man, he's a violent runner. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have to settle in a little bit on some of these timing running plays where you got multiple pullers, but, man, he flashed. Rattler flips it deep. There's another freshman, Marvin Mims, able to separate on the long ball for a 58-yard touchdown. That put the Sooners up by two scores early on. He's an exciting play. We'll see more of him later. And then another one, Carbon Copy, this time to ball out Charlie. Rambo into the end zone. Yeah, I, you know, there was – I don't think worry or um, angst about the wide receivers is probably the right word, but there was a little unknown as to what the depth was going to look like. I don't think that's a problem anymore. No, I feel a lot better about the wide receiver position after Saturday night. There you see a, a little flip plat, a little flip pass to Seth McGowan, who's able to take it 37 yards for the score. He's got some speed, Ted. He does. He's got great vision. You know, it looked like a slalom skier out there going through blockers and tacklers. Super smooth, and he's got some great explosion. Brian Mead coming through, gets the sack on the blitz, and here's some more Mims as a punt returner had a big night smooth just catches it gets good blocking there from the punt return team takes it right up the the middle on a middle return and another extremely fast player that sometimes looks like it's effortless that is not Gabe Burkich he was not in attendance on Saturday night that's Stephen Johnson uh, missed the alarm clock he said that's what he said yes (laughs) Stephen Johnson who would earn Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week honors. A guy who, I'm going to be honest with you, we had to look up the name on the roster before the game. Who's that out there kicking? He was uh, he was good. He didn't miss a kick. 31-0 OU. This is a great pass to Weiss. Really nice. Good timing there. Uh, comfortable. Just has a narrow little sliver there on the sideline to foot the, foot, uh, fit that ball in and does it beautifully. Johnson again, little chip shot this time, makes it 34-0 Sooners. We're still in the first half of this game. There goes McGowan. Mm. Yep, he takes it lateral, and whenever he goes vertical, goes north and south, he goes from zero to full speed, maybe faster than anyone we've seen. Charleston Rambo turns the corner, 
takes it in 41 nothing Oklahoma at halftime and it was all over but the dancing at that point third quarter action here's your first turnover of the season it comes from trouble Delarian Turner yell picks it off he played a really good game nice interception here playing center field quarterback just kind of throws it up and uh, he makes a nice interception on it they had plenty of opportunities in the game to have more but I think just getting that first one out of the way feels good they put a ton of pressure on themselves last year to get those turnovers so to get one early is a good thing Sooners took their foot off the gas in the second half, only scored seven points. They win it 48 to uh, nothing, the final. Uh, we're going to pick our players of the game right now. You get to go first. There was a lot of stars in this one. Who's your player of the game? I'll go defensively. I mean, there's plenty of guys on the offensive side that showed out, but I'm going to go with Brian Osamoa. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. You know, we, we've thought for a long time that this guy's going to break out and be a star player, and it started on the first play of the game. Just spikes it, comes downhill. He's a violent player. He's super aggressive, plays with great pad level, really worked on his strength and athleticism over the break, which is, you know, saying something whenever you've got to do it on your own. You're not in that strength and conditioning program like usual. He's got to work on consistency, but the violent plays are definitely there. He has a chance to be one of the best linebackers in the Big 12 this year. Shocking. You took a linebacker. I know it. I know it. Hey, a lot of times we don't get the publicity. It's going to go to the uh, the pass rushers right. or the guys on the other side. No, he played great. He was very impressive. That uh, linebacking position looks as healthy and deep as it has in a long time. I'm telling you, I think they go three deep there. You know, we started Osamoa at the will and Deshaun White at the mic. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case all year, but, you know, Deshaun White gives you that versatility. He can play both positions, but Aguebu came in. I think at some point he's going to work into that starting mic role, and uh, Meade provided great depth, as he always has, and even Robert Barnes, after yep. a position switch, came in and made some nice plays out there. And I don't know where you consider Rick, uh, Nick Benito, what uh, uh, you know position group you consider him in, but he's obviously going to be a big playmaker for them as well. I considered some guys on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Seth McGowan wowed, I mm -hmm. thought. Marvin Mims, I thought, wowed. But we can't take for granted what Spencer Rattler did. And uh, I think maybe you took for granted what Spencer Rattler did. Let's yeah. take a look at some of the video. I mean, the kid had a lot of pressure on him coming into this game. Everybody was talking about Mayfield and Murray and Hurts. And could he handle it? Boy, did he handle it. He looked poised, controlled, comfortable, confident, didn't force things. Goes 14 for 17, and two of his incompletions were dropped touchdowns. Yeah. 290 yards, four TDs. It could have been six. Zero interceptions. Uh, took three sacks. That's the only criticism I think you could have is maybe get rid of it, recognize the pressure a little bit earlier on. But all in all, Teddy, with the pressure this kid has on him, a sensational start for Spencer Rapp. Really was, as you mentioned, 14 to 17, and two of those three incompletions were touchdown passes. You know, I don't think you can ask for anything better from your quarterback than that. I thought the touch on the deep ball was beautiful. I thought the accuracy on the shorter and intermediate stuff was right on decision-making process was good uh, I agree with the the one possible criticism some happy feet back there sacked a couple of times and I think he could he kind of created those sacks by uh, panicking a little bit quicker than he needed to that's a trust factor yeah and that's going to come with some experience but yeah all in all it's it's a fantastic debut and 
unfortunately for him, that's what the expectations are. I mean, when your quarterback goes out and is 14 of 17 for four touchdowns, that's <laughs> par for the course, and that's Lincoln Riley's fault. Opening highlights of players of the game brought to you by McIntyre Law, Noble McIntyre, McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all of your personal injury needs. There you go. Eight different receivers on 14 completions. First OU freshman quarterback to throw four touchdowns in his first career start. It's time now for our Oklahoma Turnpike Authority drive of the game. Brought to you by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get past. Get Pike Pass. Teddy, opening drive of the game. I agree. I love it. You got to see all the stars on the opening drive. Rattler was out there for the first time. Uh, McGowan gets the touchdown. You get a crossing route to uh, Stogner at one point. So, yeah, I, I think the first drive was great. And Good I catch. love him locking on there. He's even in double coverage, but just throws it, lets the big guy use that leverage and grab it. Good hands by a big Stogner. And then Rattler going to keep it himself, shows his mobility. Yeah, I like that. I don't think that's going to be nearly as big a part of our offense as it was a year ago, but I think he's athletic enough and good enough, smart enough that Lincoln can trust him to to come out and, and use him a couple of times. Good patience. Great comeback by the Bullfrog down to the one-yard line, and that's when they call on Seth McGowan. Not many guys in OU history on their very first touch have scored a touchdown, but you can add number one to that list. McGowan right up the gut behind the big boys for the TD. And that is your drive of the game brought to you by the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but his first carry was a touchdown and his first reception right. was a touchdown, right? Yeah, how impressive is that? I mean, unbelievable. Can't the kid's going to be fantastic. I, but I think the most impressive thing of that drive, how many teams in the country have their fullback <laughs> Running a route downfield like that. I thought that was just awesome. Our H-back situation is yeah. amazing. Good catch, good throw. Let's take an opening timeout. We'll start to zero in on some other players that stood out for the Sooners on Saturday night when we come back. You're watching The Huddle here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, brought to you by Bud Light. The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Athletics. AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Homeland, a fresh experience. Proud sponsor of Sooner Football. The Sooner Sports Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Presented by Allstate and Riverwind. Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Welcome back, everybody, to Rudy's. You're watching The Huddle. Hey, how would you like to be able to listen to Teddy and the rest of the Sooner broadcast while synced up to your TV in the comfort of your home? You can do that. Go to SyncMyGame.com to find out 
how. OU wins 48 nothing. It was a shutout on opening night on Owen Field. Let's take a deeper look now at the defense and some of the uh, stars of the game. And let's start with your side of the ball, Ted. It was a shutout. First time since 2015 OU's accomplished that. Obviously not the strongest opponent they're going to see all year. How much stock should we put in what we saw defensively? Well, I think you should put, uh, put quite a bit in there. You know, I understand that, you know, you don't have uh, the quality opponent maybe that, that you would hope for to have a shutout, but it's still incredibly difficult. And even, you know, Missouri State, what they are, still had an opportunity at a field goal. So throughout a football game, it's just going to happen that, that teams are going to have a, a chance to score. So to have a shutout is a great accomplishment. You know, uh, getting that turnover, I think, is a great accomplishment. Everyone can relax a little bit. There's been so much pressure put on these guys to force those turnovers. So I think all in all, it was a really good effort. You know, the biggest thing whenever you look at a shutout, what makes it so difficult is it's usually a game where you're up quite a bit mm -hmm. and you start to get into your two and three deep. And whenever you get into your two and three deep, you know, you start to give up some plays and something can, can get out of there and you give up a long touchdown or, or give up some points. I think the fact that they're able to hold that shutout shows that this defense is deeper than they've been, uh, more consistent than they've been, and can get good quality play deep into the roster. And, you know, in a season like this especially, that's going to be incredibly important. It meant a lot to them too. You could tell yeah, late sure. in that game when uh, – when Missouri State lined up for the field goal and missed it, and the uh, that was probably one of the biggest cheers of the night. I mean, as a as a defense, other than scoring, which is fantastic, right? Whenever you get an interception or a fumble recovery and go score, it's really the next thing that you have, and it's probably, you know, it's probably bigger than than both of those. Whenever you can put a goose egg up on the board, that means everyone was involved, all three levels of the defense. You had a good game plan going in. So, yeah, it's definitely something to be celebrated Starters, no matter the opponent. backups, everybody has sure. to be involved. All right, let's take a look at some of the guys on defense that flashed. You've already talked a lot about Brian Asamoah. Um, who does he remind you of? Rufus Alexander. I keep saying it. I, he, he reminds me a lot of Rufus. I mean, there's been very few linebackers that have come through that have it's high the, praise. I mean, it is. I, it is. I think that's the ceiling. Rufus is maybe the best I've seen at just – I mean, quick thinking and exploding and big hits. Wow plays. But Rufus was also incredibly consistent. Uh, that's the part that Osamo is missing. Uh, he can run. Uh, he plays the good pad level. You can see him. He delivers shots. He's got that part. The part he needs to work on is the consistency, the leadership that Rufus brought. Um, that's the player that he instantly reminds me of. And he started off with a good good game here to get the season rolling for him. Now he just needs to build on it and start stacking good game after good game. What about his running mate there at linebacker, Deshaun White, playing the mic the other night? What would you see from him? I thought he had a great game and not getting a whole lot of praise kind of because of, of what 24 has done. And he's kind of the new name out there. You know, maybe a lot of people weren't expecting that. Deshaun White's been around. He's played a lot of football here. And I think he shows how important he is to this team, the fact that they slide him over to play that Mike spot. And he'd be trusted to play Mike linebacker, do good things, be in the right spot, get the defense lined up, and still make some good plays out there himself. I thought he had a really strong game. Boy, and his backup, David Aguebu, was impressive physically impressive when he came onto the field. Too. I mean, he's, he just gives you something that 
I don't know that Oklahoma has ever had. I mean, we may be able to go way back. I know Jackie Ship was a huge uh, Mike linebacker, but Agwebu at six foot four plus, two hundred and fifty pounds plus is just a different beast back there. And the more he learns, the better he gets. The more experience game time snaps that he gets he's going to turn into a big part of this defense how about the back end we didn't see a lot of guys running free uh, Missouri State didn't do anything really in the passing game to speak of Delarian Turner yell got the interception what'd you see from the secondary I thought the secondary is really good corners played great you know Trey Brown when you don't hear the corner's name you're like man a Trey Brown had a quiet night but that's a good thing at corner right that means that your guy's not catching the football if you look at the uh, the breakdown and don't see your corners with a bunch of tackles. That's a good thing. He's he's locking his guy down. He's in good position. So I thought the coverage was good. And I thought the tackling at the safety position was excellent. There's a couple of things there. Uh, number one, I think the, the guys on the back end have done a better job. They're more experienced. They know where to be. They know where to fit in the framework of the defense. The other thing is, you know, it all works together. Uh, defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. And Whenever everyone up front, the defensive line, the linebackers, they fit the runs properly. They're in the right spot. They're on the right side of the proper side of uh, blockers. It makes it easy for those safeties to come down in a tight alley and make a play. When you see guys miss tackles, it's when they're out of position. Uh, a linebacker is supposed to be on one side of a blocker. He's on the other. Now you're out of position, try to chase a guy to make a play, and you end up ma uh, missing a tackle. We saw very little of that, and I think uh, there's two things there, as I mentioned. They know where to be, but the rest of the defense knows where to be as well, and that's made it a lot better on the safeties. Trey Brown almost got him a pick. Uh, Jaden Davis didn't miss one by far on mm -hmm. a deflection, and it was great to see Trey Norwood back on the field again definitely, after everything definitely. he's been through. Let's talk some offense, and we'll start with the QB. Spencer Rattler, obviously, we've talked about him already. 14 of 17, 290 yards and four touchdowns. I've bragged about him. You uh, Give me your opinion on what you uh, saw. Fantastic. All the way around. Uh, checked every box. He was smart. Uh, he made good decisions with the football. He was accurate whenever he chose to let it go downfield. I thought the touch on the deep ball was maybe uh, the best thing that he showed all night. And it's, it's difficult, too, whenever you got to remember, typically at this point in a season, your starting quarterback has had like thousands of reps with his wide receivers. And that hasn't been the case this year. They had no spring. They had no summer to speak of. And you've had wide receivers because of uh, test and contact tracing in and out of the lineup. So it's hard to build that chemistry. And he threw to, what'd you say, eight different yeah. guys. I mean, that's difficult to do. And he did it flawlessly. What about marvelous Marvin Mims? First game in a Sooner uniform already. Uh, I, I mean, I what did Gabe Eichert say? We're going to talk to Gabe next hour. Pick. He thinks this kid's going to be a first-round draft pick before it's all said. First-round draft pick and leave college early, Man, early to go to the NFL. Um, I mean, he's got the talent and he's got the speed. And here's the one thing that we know about Lincoln. He loves fast receivers. D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Hollywood Brown. He loves guys that are burners. Rambo. That means a lot in this offense. And I think Mims is going to fit right in with what Lincoln Riley prefers. I see a lot of Sterling Shepard and Mark Clayton in this kid yeah. uh, early on. I can see that. He's, you know, just watching some of those routes. He's not as sharp as those guys. And he shouldn't be as a true freshman. That stuff's going to come. That stuff's, you know, that's... It's hard to, whenever you see it on the field in, in true action, 
under the lights in a real game. That's whenever the best coaching occurs. And those routes and everything are going to be sharpened up as the year goes on. Seth McGowan also wowed in his first game in a Sooner uniform, the true freshman. I get a comparison on the radio this morning. He runs like Dom Whaley. I thought that was pretty accurate. Just kind of the high knees a little bit and explosiveness. That does does make sense now that I hear it. He is, he's fantastic. I think that the ability out of the backfield is going to be huge for him. I think Lincoln Riley is going to going to definitely insert him into the passing game a little bit more than we've seen recently. You know, Lincoln's done that in the past. We saw that a ton with Mixon. That's kind of gone away a little bit recently. I think it could be back with Seth McGowan. Here's the one thing. You talked about this earlier, patience. You've got to wait on some of those blocks to take place a little bit better. Um, but this is really nitpicking with him. And uh, he runs aggressive. He looks like he's an emotional player. He's, mm-hmm. he's, I mean, on a high whenever he's out there. And you like that as long as you stay even killed. Redshirt freshman, true freshman, true, true freshman in this graphic. That's pretty impressive. And the future looks bright with three, these three young men. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly impressive. And, you know, the running back room, I mean, it's shocking. We've talked about this before, but... You lose a transfer in Trey Sermon to Ohio State. Uh, you lose an opt-out in Kennedy Brooks. And we're kind of left saying, boy, who's going to take over this room? I mean, are we are we a little bit low on talent? And you come out of game one, at least this week, saying, I think we're going to be just fine at running back. There's some players there. Should get uh, T.J. Pledger back soon and Ramondre Stevenson on down the line as well. All right, let's take a timeout. It was a rough week for the remainder of the Big 12. We'll take a look at some highlights from the conference and around the nation when we come back. You're watching The Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one. Sooner fans, be sure to check out Soonersports.com for your chance to win Red River Showdown football tickets from Love's Travel Stops, Riverwind, and Homeland. Well, unique circumstances for everybody, obviously, going into this season. We saw the uh, Sooners handled a pretty well 48-0 win over Missouri State on Saturday night. Can't say the same for the rest of the conference, however. It was a rough go. It's time for our Big 12 report presented by Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. And we start up in Ames, Iowa, where we will be in uh, two and a half weeks or so. Brock Purdy and the boys had a lot of hype, Teddy, going into this season, but they did not look good on opening day. Boy, uh, this is a team that I thought was going to have the best offense that they've had maybe in a long time and defensively got a bunch of really good players coming back. And I'll just tell you, the best team won this game. I mean, uh, Louisiana looked really good. They came out and punched them right in the mouth. They were able to get stops defensively. They were able to move the ball on offense. Uh, whipped them in special teams and they walk out of there on the road with a win against a really quality opponent top five or excuse me top 25 teams so 
Disappointing to see Iowa State start off this way. Um, does wow. not look good for the Big 12. That, that is a great ball right there. But, I mean, here's the thing. We kind of should have expected this. Iowa State has really never started off uh -uh. good. And they hit their stride about three or four weeks into the season and start playing better football. But was it Northern Iowa took them to three overtimes yep. last year and it took a crazy fumble recovery to win that one. Listen to Brock Purdy's numbers. 16 of 35, 145 yards passing, no touchdowns. Not what you expect out of him. No, leading passer in the Big 12 a year ago. Meanwhile, Arkansas State went to Manhattan and took on Kansas State. This was a fun football game just for the sake of how close it was and went right to the wire, but it did not go the way of the Wildcats. No, it didn't, and they got a couple of trick plays on Kansas State. That's usually Kansas State's, uh, uh, you know, M.O. against other people, special teams and some trick plays every now and then, and poor tackling, as you see here. Uh, big plays from Arkansas State. Arkansas, Arkansas State's a good football team, uh, but there's no way they should come in and beat Kansas State at home. I think one benefit for them was the fact that they'd already played yeah. and kind of gone through the whole process before. Here's another trick play that somehow they're able to make a play on. Just really disappointing that the Big 12 was, was dropping these two games early. Kansas State only able to rush as a team for 91 yards against Arkansas State, who, by the way, has already canceled their game next week because they came out with a, a bunch of COVID cases out of that one. Meanwhile, no problem for West Virginia. They were at home, and they rolled big 56-10 to 10 over Houston Baptist. Well, I oh, mean. Texas Tech, excuse me. Texas yeah. Tech and Houston Baptist. I mean, this was not a roll. Texas right. Tech got pushed. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Arkansas State, good program. Louisiana, good program, good coach, good athletes. Uh, Houston Baptist, I think they've been playing football for like eight years. Yep. There is absolutely no reason they should be able to go in to Texas Tech and push them the way they did. Houston Bap Baptist got absolutely rolled the week before by North Texas. This is just, I mean, it's shocking. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be shocking with some of the football we've seen Texas Tech play. But with, with Wells going in there, you felt like they were going to turn this thing around defensively, and it's just, I don't know. I um, It was oh. disappointing. They win it because that two-point conversion sailed high, 35-33. to 33. Meanwhile, Coastal Carolina beat Kansas in Lawrence last year. Somehow they scheduled them again, and they did it again. More emphatically this time, 38-23. Sadly, I think uh, we saw this one coming with Kansas and, and Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to say. It's it's tough. If you can't win football games like this, it's going to be a long, brutal season for you. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of what we're used to with Kansas football right now. Uh, amazing to think that what we've seen recently out of Kansas, that Mangino took him to an Orange Bowl, isn't it? It, it seems like so long ago. Kansas used three quarterbacks in this game. They combined the throw for 189 yards and two interceptions. What's crazy is they've got an outstanding running back yeah. and an outstanding wide receiver in parchment. And, you know, we're, we're not going to see hardly any production from them. So here are your Big 12 standings. I mean, we did, there were a couple of teams that played well. But uh, I guess Zach just wanted to wallow in depression today. We didn't see Texas or West Virginia. Uh, they won. Texas rolled 59-3 to over UTEP. West Virginia won big 56-10 to 10 
We'll talk about Baylor, OSU, and TCU coming up in just a second. Those are your Big 12 standings brought to you by Kincaid Coach. So that's what's happened in the uh, Big 12. We'll look at the rest of college football and what's coming up this week when we come back. You're watching The Huddle brought to you by Bud Light. Stay with us. We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively. Well, it's a pretty light week in week three in college football. We are uh, one week away from the official start of Big 12 play. We are one week away from the SEC getting underway. This week, pretty light. You see there Oklahoma State and Tulsa. That game was pushed back a week. They'll kick at 11 a.m. at Boone Pickens Stadium. UCF and Georgia Tech, we'll talk more about in our pick segment. That's a pretty good contest there, right, mm -hmm. right there. Josh Heupel's team playing their first game against a Georgia Tech team that pulled off one of the bigger upsets of the day last week. App State is a ranked squad. They got to go on the road and play a pretty good Marshall team this weekend. Miami and Louisville, a top 20 showdown in the ACC. That'll be a night game for you coming up on Saturday night. Meanwhile, the NFL is also underway and some Sooners showing out in week one, Ted. Boy, I thought week one was awesome for uh, Sooner fans. Kyler Murray throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. That was something, wasn't it? DeAndre Hopkins. He's got a new toy out there. 14 catches. I mean, Kyler Murray running around out there right around 100 yards rushing. Did you see Mark Andrews one-handed grab? I did. Mark wow. Andrews and the Baltimore Ravens uh, looked great. Sadly, the Browns mm. did not. Someone had to win that uh, affair, and the Ravens did so big time. Marquise Brown even caught a, a nice deep pass there from Lamar Jackson. They look good. Baltimore's picked up right where they left off from a, a season ago. Kenneth Murray with a nice debut. Didn't get to see a whole lot of that football game, but they started off with a nice win and uh, a nice debut for Kenneth Murray. Uh, he's, he should have a really good season there for the Chargers. They've got a good defensive staff, and he's surrounded by some good players. C.D. Lamb, 5 for 59. I'd like to see him work into that offense a little bit more fun seeing him run around with the star on his helmet though isn't it i mean well define fun i mean it's, well, yeah, it's cool to I see him you're out not a there cowboys fan are you? you're a cowboys fan well, i mean i'm a colts fan but i do like the cowboys as well i'm gonna i mean barry won me over when he was down there so i've always kind fair enough second or third favorite team i'm not team. gonna have a choice if they keep signing all these sooner <laughs> players gallimore down there cd lamb blake bell so yeah how about uh austin seibert who misses an extra point Gets cut by the Browns today, I think. Gets picked up by the Bengals, and they play the Browns this week on Thursday night. So, Seibert, who played for the Browns last week, will play against the Browns 
this week. And he's going to reveal all their secrets and everything behind <laughs> the scenes. And shocking. And maybe this, maybe he did, but uh, I didn't see it today. Uh, Cybert misses an extra point in a game where they lose by, I don't know, four or five scores. Yeah. And we saw one of the worst kicking performances ever last night. And I don't know that we've seen anything happen from it. So you never know in the NFL. You never know. I got a question from a fan that I want to ask you before we move on. Tracy in house. How do you think the lack of fans in the stadium would affect a close game? That will remain to be seen. You can comment on that if you'd like. But what did you think about the atmosphere Saturday night? I, you know, for me, and I can only give it from my point of view, I thought it was interesting at first. Whenever you first get there, it's like, wow, there's not as many people here as normal. But after that, you kind of forget about it, and on you go with a football game. Uh, in a close one, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see that how much do players really uh, build off of that? You know, I, I know that, you know, whenever the crowd roars, whenever you make a play or defensively you're out there on a third down and everyone gets gets really loud, really crazy, that, that you feel like it provides you a bunch of energy, which maybe that's the case in the first game or two. But at some point, you're going to have to get used to your surroundings and you know, figure out that, hey, the crowd's not going to be here to hype us up. We're going to have to do it ourselves. So maybe a factor early, but I'd be shocked if later on it, it plays a role at all. It's kind of like what we've seen in the NBA bubble, right? At first, right. probably really weird for those guys, but as everyone's gotten used to it, you've kind of, um, you know, gotten used to that environment, acclimated to that environment, and you're seeing some high-level basketball being played. So I expect the same in football. Not that I didn't notice it Saturday, but I'll tell you when I'm really going to notice it when we go to Dallas. That, yeah. that game is going to be strange because the crowd is such a factor in that game from not just a visual standpoint, but the ebbs and flows and the momentum of that contest. We'll notice it then. And then well, the for, crowd is a factor there driving to the game, yeah. walking to the game, You're right. walking to your car afterwards and driving home afterwards, and it's going to be completely different. And I'm not so sure with Oklahoma that not having a crowd on the road – won't be as big of a deal or more so than at home. What have they won? 24 of their last 25 they road games. They, they have been the best in the country at feeding of being the villain. You know, they have loved going into somebody else's house and disappointing everyone. I and think we talked about this on the broadcast. It's kind of a Kansas environment right. over and over and over, and we traditionally have not played mm -hmm. well there. We win, but we don't ever walk away saying, boy, we were yeah. just on it tonight. They've played their best on the road in electric atmospheres, right. and we're not going to have an electric atmosphere this year. Not, it doesn't look that way anyway, so that'll be interesting. Um, it looks like the Big Ten, by the way, who's not playing football till the spring, we thought, is going to vote again, maybe even tonight, Ted, certainly soon and it looks like they're leaning toward maybe going ahead and firing this thing up mid-october so that they can get in eight nine ten games before that committee has to make a final selection and, and be a part of the chase for the national championship in the fall rather than the spring this is a 180 on what they said a few weeks ago do you like this or would you just assume I mean, play the season without them after all this. I like it. Mm -hmm. You know, I want those kids to have the opportunity to play. Uh, I'm frustrated with the way that it all went down and the way the, the Big Ten canceled the non-conference 
preemptively over everyone else and then canceled the season preemptively over everyone else. And then now all of a sudden they want to come climbing back. I'm not happy about the way all of that went down, but at the same time, I want those kids to be able to play college football. Yeah. I want those fans to be able to have college football. Am I crazy for not believing it? I mean, you're crazy. I don't know if this <laughs> is the reason or not though. I I'd just be shocked. You know, it's a big deal for the presidents and chancellors to flip their vote. I mean, that's a big deal because, I mean, I know there's some new things, but really there's not a whole lot has changed since then. They've got better testing now with the, the, uh, the rapid test, the antigen test. Uh, You know, they've, they've learned a little bit more, I guess, about the, the myocarditis and stuff like that, but really not a whole lot has changed on the ground. If anything, it's probably worse in those areas now that the college students have come back and the numbers have spiked a little little bit like we've seen around here. So I, I find it hard to believe that a lot of those chancellors and presidents are going to just flip-flop their vote. I'm, I believe it when I see it. If it happens, I hope it does. And I hope to see them in the college football playoff if they're, you know, if they're there and they've got a team that's, you know, worthy of being there. I mean, I think it's good for college football to have the best teams in it. And this year, maybe more than any other, there's going to be a lot of need to bring in some money. There's going to be a lot of athletic yeah. departments hurting. And if you have a Big Ten team in the college football playoff, that Helps. that goes to a huge group of uh, people up there that like to watch their football. I'm happy for the kids. I- I'm happy for Trey Sermon. I felt terrible for him for oh, you know, when know. it happened up there. Happy for them. It is amazing the difference today between the day that the announcement went down that the Big Ten wasn't going to play and then the Pac-12 wasn't going to play. And sure. you thought – here we go. I mean, everybody's going to fall in line. There will be no college football this year. That's what we all thought, yep. right? I was, and then we was sit funny. here today, and it looks like maybe not only did the Big 12 ACC, SEC stand their ground, but they, they, they have lured maybe the Big Ten back in with them. Right. So, an unbelievable turn of events. It's been amazing, and I happened to be going out of town, like, right as all of that was, you know, you starting fleeing? to explode. And I was like, I may or may not see you guys again. I may just <laughs> like say, I'm out of here and have fun with it. But uh, it's been wild. And to see that the big team, you know, I wish they had fought like they are now before saying that they wanted to play, right? I wish the players and the coaches had been as, as vocal beforehand as they are now because they had that opportunity. Remember, you go back to the players the players were, you know, meeting on Zoom and had all these mm-hmm. list of demands of what they had before, or that they, they needed to have before they would show up and play. It looked like it was going to get canceled. Then all of a sudden it's like, no, just let us play. So I wish it would have been handled differently. But all in all, I think it's better for college football if they do play. I can't believe they didn't cancel the pick segment after week one, but they haven't. We're going to try it again in week two when we come back. Final segment of the huddle here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue right after this. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Medicine, Anheuser-Busch, and OU Extended Campus, and our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola, and OU Medicine. 
All right, welcome back. Final segment of the huddle right around the corner. I'm looking forward to this tonight. We're going to be joined by Gabe Eichert and Chris Plank on the Lincoln Riley Show. It's a bye week, so Coach not going to join us this week. We're going to have a radio roundtable for you, though. Those guys can really talk. We're not going to have to do much at all. We're just, just turn Plank and Gabe on and let Walk them go. over there, set the ball on the tee, and then <laughs> sit exactly back and, right. and recline. It is time for our pick segment. We're going behind enemy lines with Riverwind now. Riverwind is still the one. Quite frankly, I mean, we're going to be honest. We were terrible last week. Um, I, I can alibi it a little bit and say it's a weird year. We have no idea how good anybody is, but uh, we picked Kansas State. They lost. Mm -hmm. We both picked Iowa State. They lost. Yep. We both picked Florida State. They lost. We both picked Kansas, although we thought about it, but they lost. So we went one and four in our picks. In Notre Dame one. was down at halftime, too, by the way. Notre Dame was the only <laughs> correct pick. So we're going to try to do better this week. So here we go. The first game this week is an ACC game. Boston College at Duke. Who you got? I'm going to take uh, Duke here. You know, Boston College has been just really bad in recent years. And I thought Duke at times looked pretty good against Notre Dame. Um, it's hard to know without watching Boston College at all, but I'd be shocked if all of a sudden Boston College shows up with uh, some fantastic football team. So give me Duke. Plus, I do think there's a little bit to the fact that they've played already this right. year. I mean, I think this year more than any, that's, that's an advantage. We saw that help Arkansas State against Kansas State. Um, Duke has uh, a quarterback, a Clemson transfer at quarterback this year, Chase Bryce who did play well against Notre Dame in that loss. New head coach for Boston College, Jeff Halfley. He was the defensive coordinator, the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. So it's a little bit of an unknown as to exactly what Boston College is going to try to do. But the game is at Duke. Duke has already played one. They played a tough Notre Dame team. I'm with you. I'll take Duke as well. How about this? Usually when a college football game is scheduled, these days it is scheduled, what, 12, 15 years? At least. In the future? I'm still waiting on that Nebraska game. You know, that's whenever I first started radio almost, what, eight years ago is whenever we announced that. And I'm like. It's not here yet. It reminds me of how old I am whenever we actually play that game. It's something that I made fun of when it was announced. So that's going to be a weird day for me. Well, this game was scheduled in the middle of our game on Saturday. <laughs> Houston at Baylor. Both teams uh, need a game because of uh, COVID circumstances. So they're going to play Saturday, I think 11 a.m. down at um, uh, in Waco. Yeah, it's at 11 a.m. kick. Who you got, Houston or Baylor? <laughs> um, well, you know, I typically would take Baylor pretty easily in this one. But after watching the rest of the Big 12 start off their season, I don't feel very good You're about it. You're fading the Big 12? I mean, it's just – it's incredibly difficult here. I'm going to take Baylor, but I do not feel good at all. We've seen what's what's happened for teams that, that just show up, uh, new coaches. It's been a, a tough offseason for them. I like Dave Aranda. I think he has a chance to be a really good coach. They lost a ton of players off that team. The only reason I'm sticking with Baylor is because Houston's gone through the ringer as well. Yeah. And it's been an incredible, uh, incredibly difficult, uh, you know, month or so for them. So I'll take Baylor, but I do not feel good about it. It would not shock me if Houston walked in there and beat him. Dana Holgerson, year two at Houston. His starting quarterback is Clayton Toon. You know who his backup quarterback is? Uh, remind me, please. Toby. Logan Holgerson, his son is his oh, backup quarterback. Two-star recruit. 
Uh, this scares me from a Baylor standpoint because they didn't have a spring. They got a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and a new defensive coordinator. It has been hard for Oklahoma, who's had stability to get ready for a season, much less a team that is entirely turning over everything since Matt Rule went to the NFL. But Charlie Brewer's back. If he can stay healthy, they have enough talent on the offensive side returning that I think they'll get it done. The game is on the banks of the Brazos. I'll take Baylor as well. I mean, we both took Baylor. I I feel kind of stupid at this point. I I don't know, man. I You want to change your pick? No, I don't, but you know, Holgerson's brought in a lot of a lot of transfers in there. They've got a, a yeah. decent little roster, but it's really going to be a battle of who had the best preparation in the month or uh, or two leading in. How about Appalachian State, who's in the top 25 now, by the way, ranked number 23. They'll take on the thundering herd of Marshall. No, very little about both of these teams. Give me Appalachian State. They seem to rise to the occasion in some big football games. They've recruited decently well for, for their standing in college football, so give me App State. I'm going to take Marshall. This okay. is the first game we've disagreed on. Marshall, a 59-point winner in their opener. Their quarterback, Grant Wells, had a huge game. They've got five seniors on that offensive line, an experienced team. The game is in West Virginia at Marshall. I'll take Marshall. Okay. Uh, UCF at Georgia Tech, I'm kind of surprisingly fired up about this game. I am too. Give me Central Florida, but I, this is going to be a fascinating one. Georgia Tech really shocked me in that that week one uh, matchup against Florida State. Now, remember, uh, and I haven't heard much about this uh, recently. Maybe some guys decided to, to change their opinion, but Hypo lost quite a few guys uh, to opt out. I think nine at one time in one day. And they knew that that was coming, and it didn't necessarily take them by surprise. But nine guys off of a roster is a lot. So we'll see how Central Florida bounces back after that. But give me Central Florida. Maybe this is a mistake, but. I mean, you're going against your theory. One team's played already. Yeah. And one hasn't. Georgia Tech's played. Uh, 16 starters back for Hypo. Mm -hmm. Minus what he might have lost on some opt-outs there, including their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who had a fantastic freshman year. He only threw seven interceptions. The question for me is, is UCF better than Florida State? Because Georgia Tech just went into Tallahassee and beat Florida State, and I think they probably are. Even though it's a road game, I'm going to take UCF. I'm with you. Maybe maybe I'm pulling for Josh Heupel in my heart. I don't know. You know, Florida State is... It's hard to really judge them. We're used to the Florida State of old, but right. they've lost four the straight openers over the last four years. Best game on Saturday, top 20 showdown, number 17 Miami at number 18 Louisville. Who you got? Give me Miami. Uh, I like the quarterback there, De'Aaron King, so don't feel great about it. We'll see what happens, but give me Miami. I don't trust Miami yet. They did look good. I do like De'Aaron King. They ran the ball all over the place on UAB. They got this new up-tempo offense. Mm-hmm. But Louisville had an impressive season last year. Is it Scott Satterfield? Is that their new head coach that they had there? I think that they're uh, going to find a way to get it done. I don't trust Miami on the road yet, so give me Louisville. We disagree on a couple. That's good. This week. All that's right. good. Gives us something to talk about. All right. Well, that's going to do it for uh, the huddle. Thank you for joining us this, this week. Hopefully, you'll stick around. The Lincoln Riley Show with special guest stars Gabe Eichert and Chris Plank coming up next. Stay with us. All right. Just moments ago as we take this, Brian Asamoah, Trey Norwood, and DeLaren Turner-Yell met with the media. Let's start with Brian Asamoah. We've been, we've been attacking uh, each other, working on our craft, uh, getting each other better. So um, we're, we're definitely – the intensity is definitely up. 
Okay, Jason Kersey with The Athletic, and then Ryan Abert. Hey, Brian. Uh, thanks for uh, being here today with us. Um, coming out of the gate the other night, you seemed to sort of be everywhere. Um, you made the first two tackles and kind of seemed to be all over the field. Is that how you've always played, would you say? Yes, sir. Um, uh, I believe I'm a guy that's going to fly around on each play and, uh, you know, doing my assignment to the best of ability and also executing the mission, you know, trying to get that ball. Ryan Aver with the Oklahoman, and then Eric Bailey. Yeah, Brian, I know obviously it was an FCS opponent to, to open the season and things are going to get a whole lot harder, but what do you take away from that game with the way that the defense played overall? What are the things you feel like are, are better about this defense and, and maybe things that y'all need to get better at here in the coming weeks? I believe um, we've been flying around, you know, doing our job to the best of our ability, but one thing I believe we need to improve on is getting takeaways. That's something that Coach Grinch just stresses, um, trying to get 26 takeaways on the year. So I, I believe that improvement comes from trying to get that ball out, and that's the mission. Appreciate it, Brian. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Okay, Eric Bailey with the Tulsa World and then Bob Frisbillo. Hey, Brian. Uh, Coach Riley and Coach Grinch have both mentioned Isaiah Thomas as having a really strong start both to camp and in his first game. I know it's a just different position group, but what are you seeing out of Isaiah on the defense? Uh, he's a phenomenal player. That's a guy that you can line up at. Three-tech, uh, defensive end, knows, and he's going to get his job done to the best of his ability. So I, I commend uh, Isaiah Thomas. He's been doing real well, um, taking every point you know to the fullest and, and trying to do his job and, and be a great football player. Yes, sir. Okay, Bob Prisbillo with Sooner Scoop, and then Parker Thune. Yeah, Brian, how would you describe your first two years in, in Norman? Was it about what you thought it would be? Was Did you ever get discouraged? Just kind of take us through the process of what the first couple of years have been like with the Sooners. Definitely a learning curve, um, you know, watching – uh, Buzzy and then K9, you know, my first two years was definitely learning curve. I've learned a lot from those two guys, um, and they've helped me tremendously, you know, to become the player I've become now. Um, and then bringing in Coach Odom and Coach Grinch, those are guys that uh, have done a great job of trying to get us to play to the standard, and the standard is elite. So uh, we talk about, you know, being a pro every day, and, and that's what, you know, that level we're trying to get to being a pro. So um, I'm excited for what we have in the future. Parker Thune with SI Sooners, and then Brandon Drum. Hey, Brian, you're obviously trying to replace two guys, one of whom you just mentioned in Kenneth Murray, who's off the NFL, and then Caleb Kelly, uh, who obviously had the injury. But who do you feel like in the linebacker room has really stepped up in terms of leadership for you guys? Uh, I would say uh, Deshaun and I, we, we've you know taken upon us to, to lead that linebacker room to a, a very great path. And I believe we've done that job, um, you know, talking about Seven guys in rotation last last week. You know, you don't have that in every back room. So we've done a great job of, of bringing those younger guys along with us and telling them that, hey, an opportunity may come, you know, despite the circumstances. COVID's out there, and, you know, you got to be ready for your opportunity in preparation. So. Thanks, Brian. Okay, we'll go to Brandon Drum with OU Insider and then Mason Young. Hey, Brian. Uh, last year you were hit or miss. You came in, you played – Played well at times. Uh, this year, you came. It's like you shot out like a cam in the first play of the season. <laughs> what 
what what's changed for you? Uh, is it the mental aspect, the physical aspect, everything? Uh, I mean, what, what's the difference between this year and last year for you? Definitely the mental aspect. Uh, last year, I was just focusing on, you know, trying to do my job and trying to f- figure out that uh, in defense my first year. This year, I know what everybody up front is doing, everybody in the back is doing, and then um, what I'm doing and, you know, my play side backer next to me. So I, I would say the improvement came from mental, mentally. Jason Young, uh, OU Daily, and then James Hale. Hey, Brian. Um, like you mentioned, kind of feeling like uh, you and Deshaun have taken over um, the leadership of your position group. But in particular, watching Deshaun, um, how have you kind of seen him do that? And how do you think that's impacted the rest of you guys in the group? Uh, so after the Caleb Kelly injury, um, Deshaun was asked to play Mike Backer, and that's you know that's that's a step of being a leader. You know, being asked to play any position to execute your job to the best of your ability. So, I, be, I believe he became a leader um, after taking up that role at Mike Backer and, and trying to do his job to the best of ability, which he has been doing. You know, you've seen that from uh, what he did in the last game. You know, averaging those uh, two sacks. Thanks, Brian. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Okay, James Hale of KREF. Hi, Brian. I hope things are going well. No, everything's going well. Appreciate you. Very good. Thank you. Uh, you, know, you. Defense starts off with a shutout. You start off leading the team in tackles. Things are going pretty well. What's your thoughts on this defense in the second year of Steve D? Uh, like I said, uh, last year was just you know trying to execute your job, and, and this year is more about the mission. Uh, so we, we've handled everything about, you know, we, we know our gaps. We know what our run fits are, everything. So the job this year is trying to get that ball out because we've already experienced, you know, that that stress of, of oh, is my gap this or is my gap that? And we, we kind of have a good idea of where we need to be on each play. So next is just trying to get that ball and, and lead the country in takeaways. Thanks, Brandon. Good luck to you, man. Thank you so much. back to Bob Prisbillo with Sooner Scoop. Yeah, Brian, really uh, light-hearted question here. Uh, what is the tackle celebration that you do? I've had a lot of people ask <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite sure how to describe it. Uh, so I do this uh, to let you guys know that I stiff the play out. Um, and that's it, it's one of my favorite artists' um, main things. It's called Slime. So I use it for this sniff the play out and Slime as well. Kenneth Murray, his last season, uh, treated like this. He was he treated football as like a pro. Um, was at the facility at 4 a.m. watching film with coach, and, and that's one thing I, I learned from him. And the film, the film aspect is very important, and, and that's what I believe he did a great job of. And, and also, you know, after practice, you'll see K- Kenneth Murray just in the locker room on his iPad watching film, and, and that's something I definitely want. The mental aspect of playing linebacker is huge, and, and that's what I, I believe I committed myself to doing, trying to figure out what everybody up front is doing what everybody in the back room is doing, and then also um, my safeties and corners are doing on each particular play. Is that something you hope to teach the younger crowd as well? Definitely. Film is definitely important, and uh, we, we've held a bunch of meetings. Me and Deshaun have held a bunch of meetings um, just watching film on our own, and, and that's something that, that's going to carry on You know, in the back room. You know, We don't need Coach Odom to watch film because we know what we're doing, and uh, 
we're doing. We know what everybody else is doing as well. Been so impressed with what I've seen from the young man. Teddy Layman's a big fan, and if Teddy Layman is a big fan of a linebacker, you know that's a good sign. Good stuff from Brian Osimo. By the way, had a really nice conversation with Brian in the post-game show on Saturday night. That's available in our archives right now. Just scroll down a little bit. Meanwhile, Trey Norwood caught up with the media, looking back on the win over Missouri State and this bye week ahead. Um, just starting with the recovery process, it was a. Uh... It was long, but you know what I mean. It was, it was beneficial, just you know what I mean. Never having having to deal with a serious injury like that. So, the the mental part was was something tough that I had to gradually grow with. But throughout the process, it, it helped me out a lot. And then, like I said, going out going into the season, just being able to to take those mental reps each and every practice, um, sitting in meetings, still getting all the notes, getting all the corrections and everything, as if I was playing, even though I physically wouldn't be out there. It helped on a. It helped on a on the back end. You know what I mean. Coming into and into this off season and into this into this season, everything just not having to to relearn or catch up on anything. But with the defense, like I said, because I was able to be in those meetings and still be at practice each and every day, learning. Appreciate it, Trey. Joe Batner with the Norman transcript, and then Jason Kersey. Trey, for you to get back out on the field and you know, get a tackle on Saturday. Just what did that do for you maybe mentally as far as just being back out there, being able to make, you know, at least one play? Um, could you just talk us through that? Uh, first, like I said, I, I was just, just happy to, you know, be be back out there, being that I, I haven't been, you know, in, in a live game with my brothers in a long time. So just, just being able to be out there, you know what I mean, and, and contribute, contribute in any way possible. It, you know, it, it was very exciting. Like I said, it's, like I said, the main part is just being back out there playing a game that I love. So, something that something that I won't take for granted and continue to just grow and get better. Thank you, Jason Kersey with the Athletic, and then Bob Chris Billo. Hey Trey, good good to see you again. Um, when you uh, when you're coming back from an injury like that, and then you have you, then you don't have a spring. Uh, you had to miss a good chunk of the summer, obviously, because of the pandemic and then all the contact tracing. I mean, can you just talk about how much more difficult the recovery maybe was because you weren't around your team very much and weren't able to practice? Um, it's something, like I said, it, it was difficult, you know what I mean, not just for myself but for all because, you know, with the pandemic, this is something that we're, we're all new to. I mean, everybody on the team, coaches, as well as you guys, you know what I mean? So it was just something that, you know what I mean, had to – had to adapt to the environment, adapt to the the circumstances, and just make sure that I made the most out of the the, the opportunities and everything that I was getting. You know what I mean? With working out back home each and every day, and then once we got back up here, getting back in the swing of things. So it was different for sure, but it was one of those type of things that you know, we can't we can't change the the situation. You know, obviously, if we could, we would, but we can't. So we just had you know, one of those type of things that we just had to kind of adapt to it and and and, and go with it. Bob Prisbilla with Sooner Scoop and then James Hale. Yeah, Trey, we sort of noticed a difference defensive backs last year, but you know, you weren't actually on the field with them. Now that you got a chance to be on the field with them, how different is the confidence level with all the guys in that room thanks to what Alex Grinch and Roy Manning had brought to the table? I think the biggest thing is well, you know, with Coach Grinch and Coach Manning is, is the mindset. And the mindset is, is the key to confidence and going out there and executing your job at a high level, 
you know what I mean, making those plays. And, and that's something that, that they do a great job, you know what I mean, not just on the back end, but the defense as a whole is just instilling that mindset to go out there, be fierce, be competitive, and, and play with an edge each and every snap. And that's something that, that, you know what I mean, with me actually being a part of it this year and actually physically being out there, it's something that not, not only that you can see, but you can feel. And so it's one of those type of things that for me, I, I love it and just want to continue to build off of it. James Hale with KREF, and then Brandon Drum. Hey, Trey, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad things are going well. Uh, Trey, how uneven or how frustrated was training camp because of the protocols and contract tracing and everything? And, uh, you know, now that you're actually back out there, is it, does it feel like you're back in a groove yet? Does it feel like you're really back on solid ground yet? Um, it, it's tough, you know, just from the mental, mental part. You know what I mean? It's frustrating just – like I said, dealing with the circumstances that we had, like I said, I, I wish we could change them, but we can't. So it's tough mentally, and it's one of those type things, you know what I mean, that now that I'm back out there, I, I do feel as if that I'm, I'm slowly getting back into the groove, you know what I mean, after having a week of preparation and then having, having game one. So it's one of those type things that, like I said, we just have to adapt to it, and, and that's been, been my biggest thing, you know what I mean. It, 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 I, I was, if I can't, can't change what happened. I mean, I, I was upset what happened. You know, I me mean, with the the whole contact contact tracing and everything. But it's something that I had to to deal with and make the most out of the opportunity that I had. So just continue to build off that. You know, what I mean, and continue to get in my get in my groove each and every day, and just stack days on top of each other. It looks like you're bigger. You're always telling us you want to get a little bigger and stronger. Uh, how does that? Feel on you as you're moving around trying to cover guys going full forward. Oh, it feels it feels good. Like I said, you know, since I've been a freshman, that was that's always been the key thing, and I, I finally feel like I'm I'm to that point now to where to where I want to be, and and that, that that's another that was another benefit um, from the recovery process, just me being able to to spend extra time in the weight room, spend extra time with the strength staff. So that's something that I benefited from extremely, and like I said, I, it shows. You know, I me mean, if it, it shows. Personally, to me, on the field, I feel better. You know what I mean? On the field, just being able to to have the extra strength, to have the extra weight when I'm out there uh, competing. Thanks, Trey. Brandon Drum with OU Insider, and then Parker Thune. Hey, Trey. Thanks for doing this. Um, you've been around for a while, obviously, from a Rose Bowl to Orange Bowl to sitting out last year to COVID now. Can you kind of walk us through just your journey from freshman to now and just kind of the whirlwind that it's been for you, the ups, the downs, all that stuff? Um, it's one that if I if you were if you were to ask me this question or anything similar to this question when I was a freshman or even a sophomore, I would have never even I would have never told you or never expected to to miss a season, you know what I mean? But it's something that uh that I feel is that if everything happens for a reason. So just with me having to sit out last year, it's something that I looked at, you know what I mean, as bad as it as bad as bad it was, just looked at it in a positive way to, to better myself in, in different aspects as as if I wouldn't be able to if I was out there on the field playing. And so just that journey alone just has, has allowed me to grow as an individual, especially mentally. And then coming along with this pandemic is another thing uh, like, like like I continue to say, it's something that we we would have never expected to happen, but this is just a, a, another another stepping stone, you know what I mean, to for us individually to to grow and as a team just to come together, 
You know what I mean? Because we're still getting to play the sport that we love, although it's, it's through a pandemic, you know what I mean? So we just have to hone in on the precautions and and take this stuff serious. But the journey, it, it's been it's been a journey for sure, you know what I mean? Uh, ups and downs, but it's nothing that I would change about it. Parker Thune with SI Sooners and then John Hoover. Yeah, Trey, kind of like Brandon just touched on, you're more or less the elder statesman in that secondary now that Parnell Motley has graduated and moved on to the NFL, but you got five true freshmen in that defensive back room with you. So how are you using that experience that you cultivated to kind of mentor the younger guys? Just spilling knowledge to them as much as, as, much as possible, you know what I mean, from, from the experiences that I've been through from my freshman, sophomore year, and even with me missing last season, just still being involved and, and being around just – giving them nuggets that, you know what I mean, maybe maybe that I didn't know as a, as a young guy or that I was learning as a young guy, just trying to provide and, and, and give knowledge to them as much as possible so they can be the best version that they can be, you know what I mean, at, at the earliest earliest state possible. And then when they become those older guys, it'll be easier for them to to pass back pass back down onto the to the younger class coming coming in. So that's just my biggest thing, just trying to be that be that leadership role for the back end, especially for the young guys. John Hoover with SI Sooners, and then Eric Bailey. Hey, Trey, glad to see you back on the field. Um, so I was interested in what you said earlier about being at every meeting, being at practice last year, being involved in a kind of peripheral sense. But yet every week we talked to, to Alex Grinch, and he's pulling his hair out about turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. I just wonder from your perspective last year, as you watched that unfold, and now you get a chance to be involved in it, what was that like? Tell me about your, maybe break it down for me. What was your experience like as, as everybody was trying to get turnovers and it was frustrating? This is one of those type deals that we, our, our motto here is turnovers, turnovers equal, equal victory. So, you know what I mean? It, it's, a, it's been charted if, if the team, whoever, the team that wins the, the turnover margin is a high, has a, a high, higher percentage to win the game. So that is something that we, that we, you know what I mean, put a big emphasis on here and Honestly, we failed in that category last year. We didn't have it nearly as many turnovers as we, as we needed or, or we wanted to as a defense. So coming into this season, that's been a huge emphasis from Coach Grinch to every coach on the defensive side of the ball. Just you know, what I mean, doing your job is not enough. You know, what I mean? you, you you need to make plays, and that's that's going to allow us to be an elite defense and allow individuals to be elite as well. So that's just something that each and every day. Coach, um, he, he makes sure he preaches to us. And as players, we, we, we try to hold each other accountable as well when we're out on our practice field to make sure we're getting those turnovers and taking advantage of each and every opportunity that we get. Thank you. Appreciate it. We've got time for two more questions. Eric Bailey with the Tulsa World and then Kerry Murdoch. Hey, Trey, I'm, I'm getting a jump start on next week's game. Uh, how tough was it with the injury watching that Kansas State game last season, especially when you knew how limited the secondary was in that game? And how excited is the team to start Big Twelve play uh, next week? Um, it was just, it, you know, it's just frustrating from the standpoint that it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that they beat us. We kind of beat ourselves. You know, it was one of those type things that we, we, you know, I mean, we didn't, we didn't play, play good as a whole. You know, I mean, I, I, speaking from the defensive side of the ball, just from what I've seen, so it was one. Like I said, it was obviously it was frustrating, and you know, I mean, guys are eager uh, with with it being the first Big Twelve game. 
and it being K-State. So guys are eager to get back out there. And, you know, with, with Big 12 play starting earlier this year, you know, we don't have three non-conference games. So we're right into it. So it's one of those type of things that we have to make sure we have a sense of urgency each and every day at practice. I mean, from from starting from the beginning of this bye week leading up to the game next week. And I feel like we've been doing a great job of that. The coaches have been, you know what I mean, emphasizing that. So that's something that we have to continue to keep building off of. Thanks, Kerry. Okay, we'll close with Kerry Murdoch with Sooner Scoop and the Sports Animal. Hey, Trey. Uh, I've always kind of been curious uh, since last year when you got injured, uh, you know, Alex came in the, the when we used to do the interviews, you know, in the interview room, uh, and he just seemed like he was torn up by, you know, your injury. Was, was that a relationship between you two that was just kind of, you know, re really fast developing? Did you guys just click right away? It was one of those type things. Yeah, it was, you know, the, the player coach relationship that for me individually that, that I look for, you know, I don't, you know, we, we don't we don't have to be best friends, but he, he's one of those type coaches that he's gonna make sure he gets the best out of, you know what I mean, out of us individually as players. And you know what I mean, you have to love that as a player. You have to love a coach like that, no matter what, each and every day, he's gonna push you to be better. He's gonna push you to develop in. And I think just from the, the spring, the first spring that I had with him, I, I, I can just tell as an individual, my game elevated each and every day and on so many different levels, just because he he hones in on the details, he hones in on the technique, and especially a defensive back, you, you have to have that. And so that's one of those high relationships that, that I love, you know what I mean? A player-coach player, player coach relationship to where no matter what the circumstance is, no matter how you're feeling, that he's gonna make sure he pushes you to and tries to get the best out of you each and every day. And from Trey Norwood to the man who got the first interception for the Sooners on the season, forced the first turnover, DeLaren Turner yell. Right. I mean, it, it was a huge honor for me to be able to do that. Um, like you just said, you know, we're trying to get to 26. So as of right now, it's a race to 26. You know, we're trying to average two or more a game. So for me to get my first career interception, I mean, that, that was that was huge. And it was, it was really a surreal, surreal moment. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's a race to 26. So as fast as we can get there, you know, we, we got to just stay on it and continue to get them week in and week out. Thank you. Okay, Ryan Averill with Delta Holman and then Kerry Murdoch. Yeah, Delarian, uh, going back and watching the, the film of the game the other night, obviously the numbers were impressive, the shutout, everything like that. But... What did you take away from it? What did you feel like the defense did really well? And, and what are some areas that you feel like uh, can improve here moving forward? Right. Um, you know, uh, a new defense, you know, f from last year, you know, new guys on the field. So I was just excited to see us, you know, be able to go against someone else in, in you know, like a, a, a live situation. And, um, you know, guys got after it. You know, guys were flying around. Guys were dying to make plays. And so, you know, the things I say that we could uh, improve on is, like, communication, you know, getting lined up quicker, getting a call, and, you know, just continue continuing to play fast and just go out there and make plays as a defense. Appreciate it, Delarian. Gary Murdoch with Sooner Scoop and the Sports Animal, and then Jason Kersey. Hey, Delarian. Uh, you know, just, just kind of 
notice that on a daily basis and practice it just kind of makes things easier for everybody? Yeah, because, you know, our defense is not really young at all. I mean, we have some new guys in. But, you know, the game has slowed down like a lot for the for the guys that are out there, you know. So as far as us communicating and things like that, like our defense hasn't changed. So, you know, with us getting the call, you know, we don't change much as a defense. So, you know, all that is easy. You know, we're, we're getting lined up. That, that, that comes in with him saying <clears throat> we can't be the same guys as last year because the defense hasn't changed or anything like that. So, I mean, we already know the calls. We know everything that we need to know as far as, like, getting lined up and things like that. Now it just boils down to us making plays. I know, like, last year it was such a big deal was made out of, like, the wristbands and how easy it was to get plays in and out. Is that still the same, or, or you, you try and, I don't know, build on that? Is it is Does Alex kind of add to that, or is it just all kind of the same as it has always been? It's kind of the same as last year. Like I said, you know, the defense doesn't change at all. You know, we might throw a little wrinkle in here and there, but as changing the entire defense, no, we don't do that. So I mean, the wristbands, you know, they're a huge, huge deal. You know, you know, you can, you're able to look down and get the call and things like that. So yeah, that's that's pretty easy, and I feel like it helps our defense a lot. Appreciate that, Delaney. Yes, sir. Jason Kersey with the Athletic, and I'm Caleb McCory. Hey, Delarian. I'm just curious, after all that you kind of went through from December, being injured, having to miss the, the Peach Bowl, and then the pandemic probably uh, you know, affected your recovery a little bit, or at least it made it more difficult. I'm just wondering if it meant a lot for you to be able to go out and you guys pitch a shutout, you have an interception, after kind of all you went through in the offseason. Right. I mean, the, the with me going through that injury, I mean, it, it allowed, honestly, it allowed me to get closer to God. And, and, you know, he, he just constantly reminded me that <clears throat> he had everything in store for me. You know, anything that he promises, he's going to show, he's going to reveal it to you and things like that. And so it, it just allowed me to stay positive through it all, knowing, with me knowing that I was going to um, eventually come out of it and be able to get back on the field with my team. That's always a huge honor to be able to take the, take the field with my team. But like you said, with, with the things that I went through and things like that, you know, it, it felt really good to, to come out and pitch a shutout, get back with the boys, and also be able to make, make a huge play for the defense. Thanks, man. Okay, we'll go to Caleb McCory with the OU Daily and then Joe Bettner. Larry, uh, last year in, in uh, Alex's first season, uh, his, his big thing was the number 29. 2018's a national pass defense uh, ranking. Um, he, he even incorporated it. He said he incorporated it in your uh, in your workout count as well, in your workout rep count. And I was wondering, is there something from last year that Alex really wasn't happy about that he really wants you guys to remember for this season? Uh, ma mainly the things that he wants us to, to remember from last year is, you know, takeaways. I mean, we were big on takeaways last year, and we only ended up with 11. Now the University of Oklahoma as a defense, I mean that's not a that that is unacceptable because you know we play for the big games. You know we're in the college football playoff, we're in the Big Twelve championship every year, and I mean we can make those games a lot easier if we just get the ball back to our offense a little bit more because we have a high powered offense. So in order for 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 us to get where we need to go, we need to get the ball back. So the thing that we've been talking about a lot is that race to twenty six because that just gets us in the conversation. But we need to we need to go past that. So yeah, the takeaways have been a big emphasis, you know, uh, leading up into the season. 
Benner with the Norman transcript and then Brandon Drum. Larry, if my math checks out, 26 and if you're doing two per game would put you in the national title game if, if that is the average. I'm wondering how much you guys talk about, you know, getting back to the playoff, getting back to the national championship in such an uncertain season where, you know, it seems like, you know, games aren't always guaranteed. But how much do you guys talk about national championships and that stuff? I mean, since since we got back from that LSU game, you know, national championship is is has has been a talk around here ever since that game, because at Oklahoma you come here to win championships, and we can't settle for anything less than that. So we have to constantly remind ourselves that we need to get that that takeaway count. And even Coach Grinch, you know, told the offense before the game that they need to hold us accountable for us getting for for us to be able to get the ball back to them. And uh, like 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 you said, I mean, I mean, like I said, national championship will always be the talk around here because you come here to win, win championships, and it'll make it a lot easier if you're if you're able to get the ball back. With with, with COVID and everything, has I mean, have you been able to focus on football? <clears throat> I mean, has that been a struggle at all? Just focusing purely on football. I mean, you know, this this whole COVID situation, you know, it's it's kind of tough, and you know, the the main thing. That, that we do, you know, we try to stay away from everyone. You have to constantly remind ourselves that we can't do the things that that normal students or normal people are out there doing. Like, we can't go sit out and eat or go party or anything like that because, you know, that that uh, COVID is all all around out there. And so we just try to stay away from that. And if if we're able to do that, then it's, it's, it's much easier for us to be able to focus on football. Brandon Drum with OU Insider and then Parker Toon. Yeah, D2I, uh, you talked about championship mentality at Oklahoma, and you brought up the LSU game last year. Um, how, how did that affect you all going into the offseason? Um, you all had a lot of ups and downs. You were injured, uh, just a lot of issues leading up into that game. But after the game, was there – a sense of with the guys returning of just a togetherness, how you guys came about, talked, and also did this defense with you out there being a leader, uh, some of the young guys that came in there. How how is the communication between you guys? Between uh, me and the young guys? Yeah. Uh, you know, you you just you just have to create a relationship with those guys, and you have to let them know. That it's not it's not like a, a bully type of thing, but it's it's a big bro, you know, big brother type of thing. You know, we're we're gonna br- you, when they come in, you know, we have to reassure them that we're gonna show them the way of how it's done right. You know, we played in the big games, we've been in the big games, and that's something that they haven't seen yet. So we have to continue to remind them of you know what it takes to get there and what it, what it's like when we're actually there. And so, you know, the young guys, they, they listen to us, things like that, follow our lead. So the communication between me and the young guys is really good. And last year, the LSU game, after all that, the guys returning, did, was there a meeting? Was there a talk of, you know, obviously there was injuries, other issues that mm-hmm. compounded with all that. Yeah. But was there a talk of, you know, especially with somebody like you being a, a leader, did you all get, get together, talk about – this coming season, championships, and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing that, that we focused on was not being the same guys as we were last year. Because playing that LSU team, I mean, we obviously saw, you know, what it took in order for them to in order for them to get to the national championship and actually win it. 
And so we, we constantly stayed on each other, you know, even with us being back at home with the pandemic, you know, we, we sent videos to each other, you know, of, of us working out and things like that and just getting better at our craft because we were big on not being the same guys as last year because the guys that we had last year obviously didn't get the job done. So, you know, we were trying to get over that hump. And so we were thinking, you know, like how could we get over the hump and things like that. And the, big, the biggest way to get over the hump or the easiest way to get over the hump is to come back a better player than you were a year before. And, you know, that came back to, you know, make for the D-line, making a play through your gap. Also, the linebackers making a play through your gap where if you're dropping, you know, get the ball. And also the back end, you know, working ball drills, working footwork drills, watching film, studying your opponent, you know, so, so we're able to play faster as a whole. Last question, we'll go to Parker Thune with SI Sooners. Hey, Delaney, thanks for your time. I'm curious, in the back end of that secondary, you play opposite Pat Fields, who was named the defensive team captain last week. Can you speak a little bit to the leadership that Pat brings both to the gridiron and to the locker room? Right. Um, Pat's the type of guy, he's going to lead by example. I mean, he's going to lead on and off the field, in the classroom. You know, any anytime you see Pat, you know, he's a guy that, that's always going to – he's going to be doing right regardless – and, you know, you, as a young guy coming in or even an older guy that doesn't really have that leadership type of mentality or that leadership role, you just automatically, you know, kind of follow him and fall in line behind him. And that's the type of guy that you want to lead your team that everyone on the team can relate to Pat and Pat can relate to them. And so, like I said, he's a guy that's going to lead by example day in and day out. And you can always count on him to do the right thing. So, again, just uh, some short little media sessions to kind of get you in the feel of hearing from players. We're back on our regular schedule next week. You get Alex Grinch tomorrow and the full radio broadcast of OU and Missouri State on Saturday. Until then, have a great start to your weekend. And boomer sooner, everybody.